0: Welcome to the Third Eye Wellness Podcast. My name is Nia Carrillo, a holistic nutritionist and energy worker based in San Diego, California. I'm sharing all of my best tips and strategies for those wanting to connect deeper to their body and soul. Each week, you'll hear musings from me and guest experts in their fields, as well as actionable tips and strategies that you can implement in your daily life now so you can live a more conscious lifestyle. Thanks so much for spending time with me today. Now let's dive right into today's episode. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Third Eye Wellness Podcast. My name is Nan. I'm your host. Oh, It is June in San Diego. And if you are at all familiar with the term June gloom, then you know that this June gloom and May gray. Have been rather intense I actually just shared on my Instagram stories a like a news little thing that comes up on Instagram that we had no full sunny days in May and now as I look out my window here I'm like no wonder I've just felt super kind of lethargic in some ways that's not really the greatest word to describe but just like meh you know and I've heard like in places where there's not a lot of sun, say in Seattle, that there's a lot of people who deal with seasonal depression a lot more than like other places in the country. So I get it. And I'm not sure I could ever live anywhere where this is a common occurrence. <laughs> so yeah, anyways, I just sharing my little uh chunk of the world where how things are. I hope you're having A really sunny summer (laughs) because i am not so far our summer doesn't technically start until july so it is not always sunny in san diego nor 70 degrees that that that's a myth it's an average i think is what they meant by that anyways as we jump into today's episode i i just want to preface that this is a very very sensitive topic and i know this because this is something that the father wound, what we'll be discussing today, uh, very, very prevalent for me personally. Um, It's always been a wound, obviously, that I've had a lot on my journey, and I've shared little nuggets of it on social media. So it's nothing new. I guess I could say that. But it's it's at a different place um, for me than it has ever been. Um, so it's, I understand the sensitive nature now more than ever. So I would recommend not listening to this episode, like right before you're going to go into a meeting or right before you enter into work, just because it might bring about a lot of deep seated feelings that you've not drawn. Connections to with your body life and the father wound. So sit down and make sure you're in a like comfy space that you can relax. And if tears want to come up, you can let them come up. Cause the worst thing is when you want to cry and you feel the urge to cry and you have to suck it back because then those tears come back from the other times that you didn't cry and it just gets compounded. And so when tears come the next time, you're just a big blubbery mess actually have this experience. Over the weekend which kind of inspired me to make this episode in light of father's day coming up this weekend so let's just get into it okay um i have very loose fluid notes on this because i just wanted to make this episode straight from the heart because i have the experience of it and i see this experience also uh in my clients in their bodies in their lives and it's something that I, the father wound is something I see every single day. And I titled this episode an epidemic for this one reason, because it is an epidemic. Fatherlessness, which is a physically or emotionally um, present or unavailable father. So even if your dad was there, but emotionally was not there, that's fatherlessness. That's the father wound. And I think sometimes when we think of it, we're like, oh, well, my dad was there and he went to my game. So maybe he wasn't like emotionally present. And in some ways that like hinders your relationship or your journey or you come into these blockages because of it. So we'll, we'll get more into that later on in this episode. But yeah, I, I came across that fact probably a couple of years ago 2019 2018 when I started to do a lot of group healing and it struck me to my core it's like if you took into account all the fathers that were either physically absent or emotionally unavailable we would have an epidemic so this is something that needs to be talked about because it affects us in more ways than I think we are shown or realize and For me, (laughs) all the things I share today, I understand because (laughs) they live in me. And so if you're like, gosh, I feel so broken after listening to this episode, just please understand that this is not the point of it to like flash a, a light on your wounds and then just leave you. (laughs) That's not the point of today's episode. Today's episode is to bring greater awareness to maybe some patterns that you can't get to the root of and to understand yourself in a a new light, uh, a more broader light so that you can ultimately heal and forgive yourself, forgive your father and not make it right, because maybe if he wasn't there, it was not right. (laughs) Um, It's not your fault, but to forgive, to release yourself from the hold that these wounds have on you and ways that you might not realize are affecting you and they might be so unobvious. So I hope this something clicks or expands for you from today's episode. And I just wanted to start by sharing my own experiences with this. You know, I'm going to be completely honest right now. I am and I think this is why it's the most tender for me to speak about this, but it's so real, which I'm like, this is the best time to talk about it because I'm speaking from my truth at this point. Um, Right now, I am in no contact with my father. And this is for many reasons. Well, let me back up. (laughs) So my relationship with my father has always been strained. And I've talked about how I've had health issues, literally gut issues and weight issues and food disorders my entire life. And this is because I've had these abandonment wounds at the core of them that relate both back to my mother and my father. When I was two, my father was sent to prison. He made some mistakes at 22, as we all do, but these mistakes costed his freedom and his ability to be my father. And so though he took me in at birth when my mother relinquished me um, to his care, uh, by two years old, he had left. And he was, he returned um, home from prison when I was six. So that was four years that he missed out on my life. But you have to think of this. Like we don't really start to really form a conscious memory, like the development of our brain. Often we don't have those memories until about three to five years old, somewhere in that window. So I don't really have any memory where I was close with my father. And, So when he returned, he was a stranger to me, you know, like who is this scary man? My earliest memory of my father was being, I think pre K age, so probably like four, maybe five. I want to say four of visiting him in prison and playing connect four and eating a strawberry shortcake ice cream and feeling so lucky that I got to pick whatever I wanted from the prison vending machine. And the highlight of my trip was the kids play area at the Hilton that my grandparents um, booked for us to stay while visiting him in this prison. So that is my earliest memory and my only memory of my father until his coming home gathering that our family had when I was in the first grade. And I understand the trauma that prison imparts on one. I mean, I I can't imagine, but I I saw it firsthand. My dad was scary. He was angry. And you got to think too, like in the 90s, there were not resources in the way there are now. And my father was just went on to live his life and created other families. And I sat on the sidelines watching this, you know, So I moved on with my life because it was I knew nothing other than this as to be my norm, you know, like my grandparents were like my core parents and like my dad was just there (laughs) Um, and he would come visit my grandparents and I would see him then. So it was just always in like a passing by situation. I didn't. He was more like a brother, if anything. And so here I am now in my 30s. And as I do this deep, deep, deep work on my body, reversing literally symptoms I've had since I all in my existence, all that I can remember, specifically related to my IBS and my anxiety and my controlling tendencies, it led me back to my father. And obviously, I'm not going to get into the details of why I'm in no contact. That's no one's business but mine. And but it came to the head of a situation where it was in my best interest to work through these things because I knew I simultaneously couldn't keep a relationship with him with like acceptance and like unconditional, like this is who you are and I'm going to accept it without having to own and hold my grief. Um, I have been very open in social media about my grief that I've been going through with both my parents and I came across this quote and I don't know who said it or what, but the quote was basically like, it is a special kind of pain and grief that comes from grieving parents that are alive. And I couldn't agree more. And the grief for me is the sadness that I felt at such a young age, two years old, both my parents gone. I didn't understand it. You know, like I've done some hypnosis Uh, Exercises where I've gone back to it, where it was so real. I had to ask my family members, like, did this happen? And they're like, yeah, how did you remember that? And like feeling so scared and like this switch in me of like, I can't trust, I can't speak up and share because I'm going to be lied to or they're not able to handle or hold this. So I'm just alone. So it was this moment that I shut down, if you will. And since two years old, maybe even a little bit before that, I just, I felt abandoned. And so the ways I coped with that sadness and pain was eventually became food like i found comfort with food food subconsciously wasn't a conscious effort like i'm going to bury my pain with eating a whole bunch of sweets as a 6 or 7 or 8 year old you know it was like a subconscious pattern that formed of like this gives me the dopamine hit the this high that will cover up all the low energy that i feel in my body related to the loss of my parents and this carried on until my younger 20s when i got fit in the fitspo movement and like 2012 or so around that age time or time frame and it turned into eating disorders and orthorexia which turned into controlling tendencies and then i met my partner my husband And it turned into a fear of vulnerability and it just kept going and going. And then my gut issues came up and then that connected back to this abandonment womb. And so here I am just trying to sort through it. And there's just like, wow, this realization of I have never ever, which is bizarre to, I never allowed myself to just sink into this pain. And the last couple of weeks, I, you know what? I would say a couple of months, I have been with grief. And, ooh, I understand why I've avoided it. I went to a grief group. There is a local grief group held by, her name is Sarah and Greece. And they hold it in OB. So if you're a local in San Diego, they do it once a month. Oh, poignant is the best word to describe it. I was a blubber of tears. This woman sang the most beautiful voice and lyrics that she wrote to herself. And there was somatic practices, ancestral practices to release and Put this grief, transmute it back into the earth. And there was sharing. And it's probably the least judgmental circle I've ever been to. And it wasn't just grief due to death, it was death of self, death of like relationship, death of just like, what the fuck's going on in the world? You know, like sadness. Everybody is grieving. That's what I realized. We all are grieving all the time. Everything is grief. Everything is trauma. And this is something that just like came to light for me. And I'm like, I have to talk about what I'm going through because I know a million people are going through this and we're just not talking about it. So at the expense of going first and feeling vulnerable and like, ah, like I don't want people to think like I have this voice in my head right now. Like I don't want people to think I want to people's sympathy or like, oh my God, why is she sharing so much? But like, I know everyone is going through this in some way, shape or form grief of a parent, whether it's your father or something else or something related to the father wound. So I'm going first and I'm speaking about it and I'm sharing from my experiences. And yeah, so these, these, this wound, (laughs) it shows up in so many ways. And I'll, I'll go off on a list here and just share with you the common ways that I see it. So firstly on my list is low self esteem. And I think this is the, the portal, if you will, the gateway drug when we lack the self esteem as a teenager, which our bodies are changing And if you were anything like me, like no one was really talking to you, educating you of what the hell was going on. So then it just created all this like fear and anxiety, low self-esteem, lack of confidence. And if your father was emotionally or physically not present, that just added to it. And so this low self-esteem and feeling rejected by your father just breeds you going into diet culture where okay, if I fix the way I look, I'm in control of something like I'm in control of what I'm eating. It's giving me this perceived, this illusion of control. Then my self-esteem will go away. If I lose this five pounds and I go into that size zero (laughs) or whatever it is, if I lose these 20 pounds, if I just stop eating so much, then my self-esteem will go away. It could also have been coupled with like if you had a very critical or stern father figure um, and you maybe even got like your worthiness, the, that hit of like, oh, my dad loved me and this is how I get seen and validated when I perform. I know for me, like a lot of my worthiness because I didn't know how to like relate. I kind of had this like... I don't know, uh, identity placed upon me of like Nia is so smart. She accomplishes and does all these amazing things. We're going to reward her by paying her for her report card. So I'm like, Oh my God, I get all this money and attention from my family by performing and doing, and that's how I feel worthy. But what happens when you fail the test or you don't get a good grade or whatever you, the, that failure is so hard to bear. It's like, I'm a disappointment, the shame, it breeds more disconnection and your self-esteem dwindles further and further. And so I believe that this is like one of the first stepping stones into us going into this spiral of health issues that starts so innocently with like, I just want to fit in and look like the other girls. If you struggled with your weight, or I just think that I have to fix this thing about me because I read this magazine when I was younger. And all of a sudden you have your metabolisms all effed up, your digestions all effed up, you're stressed because you have the trauma of like an absent or neglectful parent, maybe the father, and then you land in an office like mine. (laughs) So poor self-esteem is something that often shows up with the father room and a really like simple way to explain this because of the why is the father when we look at it from like a broader context the father is the bridge he is the representation of masculinity and this doesn't mean that he is only to be masculine uh, masculinity is not just being this macho man. Like, that's not masculine. That's a toxic, um, immature form of masculine, an outdated one. But masculinity is like that, is the bridge mm-hmm. that uh, the father, I should say, is the bridge from you being this child in this maybe like fantasy uh, world going into the physical world. And so when that bridge is absent, who has to fill in? someone. And usually the self is like, I got to like become more controlling. It's my fault. Like we have to fill in the gaps as to why that bridge isn't there. And so low self-esteem is often formed from this. Another thing that I see that comes from it is controlling rigid behavior. So not having your father present again, physically or emotionally, when I'm saying this, it it's like it's such a great pain because you can't explain why, like, why isn't my father here? Why don't I get my father's attention? And what we do as children is we we come to this like juncture and our experience as a child where it's attachment versus authenticity. And another thing, so let's explain that first and then I'll go into like the part two of it. It's Okay if i know the way i get my dad's attention or the uh the attention of a caregiver i have to do this i'm going to do whatever i can so maybe that's pushing down my own needs maybe that's performing because that's now i get my father's attention so i crush my authenticity i don't like wonder like you know should i be like true to myself like no it's just so subconscious and so we are going to choose that attachment because we need it. Like it's life or death for us as children. They're everything for us. And so we lose that control. And so the mind is so confused. I think the spirit and the, the subconscious mind or the ego mind, I should say, is like, this must be my fault, right? Because I I must be bad. And so these limiting beliefs form from them. So an adult had people with a father wound have to compensate with feeling like things are their fault or like they ha- didn't have this masculine bridge to the physical world and they become overly compensating uh, or they become they compensate with overly rigid controlling what we call a type A personality. So having every detail of the day planned, obsessive with your food, obsessive with what you're burning and what steps you're counting. And just like going all and, and we like laugh and like, oh, I'm such a type a personality, but it's like, that's a protection mechanism. You had to form that because you didn't show weren't shown a healthy form of masculinity. You had to step in and take control because you weren't shown and reflected how this could look for you as is the case with a lot of us, myself included. So what forms out of that? And this is number three, anxiety, because you're constantly in the future, worrying five, 10 steps ahead, because that's how you manage to get through the pain of your childhood of like, i don't know what to expect and i think this is true for a lot of people you maybe have like a father figure that was in or out or was unpredictable whether it was with his anger and his emotions or if he would be loving towards you like you just were just so on edge with him and so you had to be five steps ahead I had a caretaker that was not my father, but one of my caretakers struggled immensely with bipolar. And so my coping mechanism was exactly that. So if your father had mental illness, that could also be the cause or reason why you have this anxiety where you're constantly not present. But here's another way to spin this is when we are not present, we are rejecting the present. And we are rejecting ourselves because we lack acceptance. Now, it served us then. It does not serve us now when it is creating turmoil in your life. And if you're like, well, I don't know if this father wound is still protecting me or perhaps the mechanisms are keeping things in place for me and they're still working or if it's cock like non-serving at this point, we'll look at your life. Do you feel light? Do you feel at peace? Do you feel like your relationships for the most part are intact and healthy? Do you feel safe in this world? If you answered no, then it's not serving you and it's time to heal it. Otherwise, you wouldn't have an awareness of it. It would be subconscious and it would stay hidden until maybe the point you hear this information and you're like, "Oh, I fucking get it now." <laughs> and this is not to say too that like maybe you had this realization five years ago, a year ago, six months ago. this all happens in layers like, You could have asked me probably two, three years ago. And I'm like, yeah, I'm aware of like how this affects me and like how it's not serving. But now I'm at a different part of my life. I'm a different person than I was three years ago, literally, I think. And I'm at this deeper layer because I've gone deeper with my body. I've gone deeper with the questions I've asked myself and it's a gradual shift, but it's not the same work I was doing two, three years ago regarding this wound. It's a whole other perspective. So this might show up also too in your partnerships. For me, I know it did. Before I met my husband, I was in a series of what I call situationships with men who were emotionally unavailable, who were quite, when I think back, wounded themselves and had similar wounds as I did. And it was like my father wound was a batch to their mother wound. And it would either be these long term situationships where like they weren't physically there. Hmm. Just like my father Um, or it would be guys that just did not want to invest time and energy into me because At my core, I believed I was not worthy of that time and energy because I was not shown it from my father. Now, when I met my husband, he was much different in so many ways than the men I had these situationships with prior. But it was still a very similar rhyme and reason. My husband was in the military and I think there was this subconscious part of me that was like, oh, well, he'll be away sometimes. And so I can like manage my vulnerability. And so we were constantly in this cycle where we were always in this honeymoon phase because he'd be gone for a couple months at a time and then come back. So there was no depth that was really created. The wounds didn't really expose themselves within me at least until after like all these series of deployments and debts. I don't know what that stands for in the military, but they're basically like mini deployments where you go off for a month or two, and then you come back and they're to prepare you for your eight month, like deployment. And so, when my husband those stopped and my husband left the military it was like oh fuck now i have to be vulnerable and that is when my shadow work began that is when my saturn return began and that is when me diving nose I got head first down into this wound of mine of like i am so scared to be vulnerable and so i saw like oh my god I chose this partner to heal these things and this is why I'm here. And so this could not show up in the same way for you. Maybe you are in that part where you're still attracting men that just aren't committing to you. It could be related to your father, most likely. We marry and date our fathers, they say, but relationship, and this isn't a bad thing. Relationship or partnership, marriage is a continuation of childhood, okay? And this is so that you both can heal because in some ways i match my husband's childhood trauma and things that he's gone through and so we're a perfect match for the wounds we have And that doesn't necessarily mean it's toxic. I think that's the point of partnership is to help each other heal. It becomes toxic when one person doesn't do the work. A and as not being conscious about it, when one person's in a conscious relationship and the other is like, I refuse to go into this. That can be very difficult and or it's abusive. And so you might have such low self-esteem and no one's working on each other. And you're in this toxic cycle of like the same things you dealt with in childhood and that could also be like a part two to like how it shows up with your vulnerability and relationship and it's just you repeating what you're comfortable with even though it's so fucking painful so it can lead to a lot of unhealthy relationship and The last thing I want to share, like just from a pure emotional sense, and then I'll get into like the symptoms that it shows up in the body is that we don't have the insight. Remember this, the insight to understand that our parents, when we're younger, they have problems. (laughs) Like I remember being young, like a kid and just thinking like my parents knew everything, you know, my caretakers knew everything. And then I think back and I'm like, when I was, six, my caretakers were 24. You know, you know that's young, I didn't know, shit, I thought I knew shit. <laughs> and I thought they knew everything. But what we don't realize is that our parents do have problems, and they're a product of what their parents knew. And so we're going to internalize this behavior as our fault, as I mentioned earlier. But When we don't know what to make sense of those emotions, a lot of times it shows up as anger patterns of just like just this emotion that like needs somewhere to go. And that anger that like I'm going to do this in spite of you. Literally, that's what how I got through and accomplished so much in my younger adult years but it's exhausting. You burn out. It's like this fire that fuels you and then it creates so much inflammation in the body. And what is always at the underbelly of anger? Well, I'll tell you, it's sadness, it's pain, it's hurt. And so some of the most common symptoms that I see with women, I already named some of them, but a lot of the times it's that controlling relationship with our body And we do that with our food and dieting and being so engulfed in diet culture. And also too, that we have to weigh a certain amount. We have to eat a certain way and we can't eat certain foods. I'm gonna be very public and pretty canted with this when I say this. I used to promote eating plant-based. I wasn't fully vegan because I always ate fish and eggs but I, other than that, those were the only animal products I ate. And I was so gung-ho about being plant-based and I really believed in being plant-based and I thought it was gonna save the planet and yada, yada, yada. (laughs) That's not quite true. (laughs) Um, But I now eat more animal product and I've started to incorporate lactose-free dairy, which surprisingly I can tolerate, which is so insane. I look back and I'm like, that was a sneaky, sneaky form of disordered eating for me. That was a sneaky, sneaky way. And still I had like this grip, like like control, like from the days in which I didn't allow myself to eat carbs or manage my calories or count my macros, it was still this way, like that controlling tendency of like, feeling like i was in line and i had to have a rule around how i was eating still sunk into my day to day and I was not in my practice, like you have to eat this way. But a lot of people were curious about eating more plant-based. So that's what I practiced. And now I'm like, you do not need to be plant-based. I don't think it's healthy for our hormones or in our digestive system. And I, as I've come out of that, I'm like, whoa, that was such a disordered subconscious pattern still playing out in me. So I see that commonly with food in our body, that controlling But I also see it in our inflammatory responses, especially related to the colon and the intestines. So the colon is a really good marker for me as your practitioner and for you too, as you being an expert in you, that of like how you are digesting emotions. And so when there's inflammation there with like, say, I don't know, imbalances with the gut. And so you're bloated, that's a sign, a marker of inflammation often, or if you have things like colitis or diverticulitis or any gut, like uh, colon issues like that, where your intestines are literally inflamed, um, or you have ulcers, anything, you know, when you think of inflammation that starts out as a protective mechanism. I talked about this last week, but inflammation is like, okay, a bee stings you, you want those inflammatory responses to start happening so that your body heals. But when we get stuck in there, it's a sign that when we have chronic bloat, chronic gut issues, chronic inflammatory responses, we are trapped and stuck in that like nervous system response, that bodily response to protect us. And so the body in some way is showing us it is trapped in the past because you're not five years old anymore, but that pattern is still playing out in some way, maybe in your relationship, or maybe it's this uh, pattern with your health that you can't get to the core of. And it could be so deeply connected to the father wound because anger and that sadness and Feeling like you have to like hold it all can create that constipation, and it's so energetic and emotional at its core. And that is for all disease. You will always find an emotional pattern at its core, and it will not resolve and fully totally until you heal and integrate that. Now you might get relief from doing the physical things, but you're gonna find it's gonna pop up. Like I use this analogy of like whack a mole. Like you're gonna. Put down the symptoms of that disorder but it's going to come out in another way what do i mean by that an example is when i struggled with my weight i didn't have that issue anymore but then very quickly <laughs> that issue with my weight and food turned into digestive and chronic gut issues that i couldn't figure out and so it just morphed into something else but underneath it was still this rage and anger and sadness and this i have to fix myself because there's something wrong with me because I am not enough. And I don't think I'm enough because if I was, why would my dad leave? Which all comes from little two-year-old me. And that is driving your life in some way, these wounds from childhood. And with the father wound, it's a lot of inflammation. It's that anxiety. It's that depression and sadness that is trapped and stuck that is being so suppressed with maybe your addictive tendencies with food or drinking or whatever else your vice is so it affects us in a whole lot of ways and another example too i have is with women with hormonal dysfunction yeah there's a lot of mother wound play in there but i can think of a client specifically who basically had fibroids and cysts and they just kept growing and growing and they would literally cut them out with surgery and they would still grow back and it wasn't till she faced her father wound that it stopped and it was like this dark energy in the form of a fibroid taking up massive space like literally the size of a grapefruit in her wound because the womb in her womb (laughs) the womb is a representation of home and so it's reflecting back it's our first home so it's reflecting back like the lack of safety because safety is usually equated to home but not for a lot of us right especially when we have this childhood trauma that's trapped or stuck and creating these stress responses in our body that are creating illness and disease in our gut and our hormones and everything else so it always starts back to the mother and the father wound. And it's something that I think needs to be talked about more. So I hope this is like helping you understand and see things differently, because as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, that was my intention. (laughs) Now, when we're concerned with the father wound, We're working a lot of the times with the lower three chakras. I would say that first chakra, which is the root, you know, it's the base of the spine. And so it's what grounds us into the earth. And this is where we form our safety and our ability to thrive, depends on our ability to feel safe. Like we can't drive. If we're in survival mode, like that's a conflict for the body. Like <laughs> it's thinking it's running from a bear. And then you're like, Oh, but I want to like, uh, feel happy and light. It, it, it just can't happen. And a lot of the times a way you can know that, like your body is confused is when the libido starts to shut down. Having sex is fucking vulnerable. So hopefully you're having sex with people that you trust and a long-term partner that's going to be there. And this is a huge, like underspoken about symptom. And I'm glad I, this came up for me because it's like, when we have like our libido starts to shut down, it's like that again, that conundrum that the body's facing, like, uh, I'm in fight or flight. Like I can't be in the mood to have sex and be in that relaxed state that it takes to have sex or like i'm not in the state to make a baby you know so it's like we shut down our sexuality because there's that again that fear of being seen and held because it's so unfamiliar that we'd rather just like go back to being alone isolated the way we felt when we were younger so this is, has a lot to do with that route and it also reminds me too of like maslow's hierarchy of needs if you ever took like a psych 101 class in college or high school Maslow's hierarchy needs says, like in order for us to like thrive and go on to succeed in the world. Like we have to feel safe. And that's exactly what the chakra system suggests as well. And so that starts with our father and also our mother, but our father too, and that trust that our father instills in us by him being there physically and emotionally available. And a lot of men were just not taught this because think about it, our fathers say your dad's in his 50s that's pretty young um his father grew up at a time when like there was this like machismo (laughs) and so i don't know where that word came from but like this like oh i have to be this macho man and you have to show up and like his dad had those ideals so chances are those are the ideals that like your grandfather had to take and so forth. And so it just like it's we're all a product of the generation before us until we start doing this healing work, which is why so many people don't do it. So let's talk about how we can heal this, because the the answer that your wounded inner child wants to hear is, well, if my dad just showed up and like he changed, then everything would be better. And sorry, sweetie, that's not going to happen and at least for now, the healing, if you want healing to start taking place, well, you have to take responsibility. And in previous episodes, I've discussed what it means to be responsible. Responsible does not mean that you have to assume the responsibility that what your dad did or didn't do or who he is and is not is your fault. Absolutely not. That is not what we're saying here. What we're saying is being able to respond. See how that word of slip being able to respond in a way that is empowering. And so it's not empowering to be a victim and to blame like, well, if my dad was different, then I could do that. Oh, trust me, I've been there <laughs> if he only did this. The fact of the matter is, is you get to choose. You are now an adult and it is this is where the grief comes in. It is so painful to realize and accept that. You may never get what you desire because you're an adult and time has passed, but you are the only one who can give you what you need at this point. And so if you choose to respond with what would I need to feel safe? Well, maybe it's me start showing up in ways that like go against the ways I always shown up and start accepting that maybe that that that, that's what's present for me. So an example is if you're in toxic relationships, well, maybe you start to wean your way out of those. If you have this pattern of inflammatory responses in your body and you're like, oh my God, I see how my gut is just, where do I even fucking begin? You can start with a physical sense, but you might just bring awareness to that connection because when you start to bring awareness to that connection, that is your higher self because that's not awareness from the part that created the wound, the wounded inner child, the super ego that's created these beliefs to protect you. That's not that part the part that becomes aware of like, Oh my God, I see the connection. I see how I'm doing that, how I'm showing up in that way because of this wound I have, that is your higher self. So the more you bring awareness and you observe and you see, Oh my God, I'm doing that again. You strengthen that higher self. Now, those parts, we can't just snip them away and say, oh, get away. Like, I don't want to have this pattern anymore. That part is going to persist because it literally saved your life. And so it's like, I got to keep working. I got to keep working harder. And so that's why it's really hard to change. And so change doesn't come from rejecting. Like, I don't want to be this anymore. I don't want to act like this anymore. I'm just going to change drastically overnight. It might work for 24 hours (laughs) or less. But then that part's going to come kicking and screaming back into your life, and you're going to feel like you've been defeated. So instead, work on strengthening the the part of you that is aware of what the fuck's going on, because that's the part that's going to create change, okay? So it starts with that awareness, and then you're able to show up differently once that part has a little bit more strength than the other parts that created these patterns. It's not that they're bad, we love them, we thank them. They did a really good job, they're probably tired. <laughs> but this part of you that is stronger, more wise, that's the one that needs to take the driver's seat and so only through our awareness can it become stronger to help us show up, pause and respond and be and become different in the face of conflict or our pain. And so it's often said like acceptance is the first stage of grief, or it's one of the phases of grief. And you might, you know, titrate between I'm angry, I'm sad, I I don't want to accept this. I'm in that spiral myself. (laughs) Something that really, really helped me was going to that grief group that I went to in san diego and they actually have an online grief support community i believe it's called the grief support network where they have these online circles it's a very similar setting and i would highly recommend you seek that support in some container because you'll realize you are not alone and again you strengthen the observer your inner adult your inner healer your higher self who's the one is going who is the one that's going to help you heal and change versus you focusing on like what you're doing wrong with and going into this spiral. And so being seen and held and seeking out support would be one huge way you can help yourself heal. Because what you didn't get from your dad was his attunement, his ability to regulate his nervous system, to be with himself. He couldn't be with himself because he wasn't taught how to. So how could he be with you? How could he be with your pain and trauma today when he can't even be with his pain and trauma? That was a huge light bulb moment for me. And so I need to be with my pain and trauma. So how do I do that? How do I get this attunement, this connection? How do I get that part of me who just wants to be seen and heard and witnessed and loved? And I can't get it from my dad in the ways that I desire, but I can get it from my therapist. I can get it from my best friend. I can get it from my husband. I can get it from my mother. I can get it from grief support circles. So there's other ways. And I know it's not the real deal. It's not the, the part of you that wants your daddy, you know, but it is able to get you where you need to go, which is peace you at a place of peace and understand this too. This is a cyclical journey. This isn't like linear of, I'm going to go through sadness. I'm going to go through anger and I'm going to done with this grieving thing. No, <laughs> no, you're going to feel peace, light, and then you're going to go back into it. And this is just part of the journey. And it took me a while, a while, I would say a couple of months to finally understand that this isn't ever, it might not ever go away, this pain of like not having my father in the way that my two-year-old self wished she had. But I have so many resources at my fingertips to help me get through the pain. And that's something that my two-year-old self did not have. And the best thing I can do is gift her those resources as much as I can and be with her and, be with her simultaneously while she is being held by others. And so I offered that to you, you know, in this last point, have a candid conversation with your father. It might not be optional for you. It might not be something your father is open to and can't understand because as I mentioned, If he can't sit with his own pain and his own trauma, and he's in denial of that, he can't do that for you. And so that conversation is going to go nowhere. And so you might just take some space and time for yourself to process that and then return in relationship with you, holding you in relationship with your father. Perhaps that's how it goes. But something that I I work on is being acceptance with myself of who I am, who I am not, what I have, what I do not have is going to help me have more acceptance for who my father is and who he is not, what he did provide me and what he did not provide me. And I have to start with me and it, I had, I I've been kicking and screaming getting to that realization, but here I am making a podcast about it. So I've inched out of it a little bit. <laughs> that was a lot and that was uh, a very vulnerable episode for me and i hope this i just hope this clicked something for you even if little and i again hope it brought awareness to the part of you that's going to create the change your inner wise adults your higher self and if you have questions about this episode i shared a little bit more on my Instagram regarding this episode. So you can go there and find me at eclectic.wellness is my Instagram handle and that's linked in the show notes. But if you're also wanting to go deeper and understand the mind-body connection regarding the mother and the father wound and all things childhood trauma that are affecting your ability to be healthy, confident and light in your body, um, those symptoms that I ma- mentioned, like food issues and gut issues and all this disconnect from your body, from all the pain you're trying to avoid, and you want to integrate it so you can feel good because you deserve that, then you should consider joining my four-month program it is very mind-body focused using nutrition gentle detox nervous system regulation and it's a safe space for you to heal and be seen by me and others in the group and this is very mind body and trauma informed uh, approach to your health and so it's a bundle including my clear channel course which supports you through a detoxification and I've unlocked the first module for you to get a taste of the experience that begins in July. But if you want to just check out the first module and there's a couple materials in there that you can listen to. I believe the first module is like 30 minutes long and it goes into what you, where you to begin in these psychosomatic and mind, body, spirit connection with health issues. Um, for you to begin the journey. So check that out by clicking the link in the show notes to get the free module unlocked. And that will be available all through the month of June. And then we start the program in July. So if you want to go deeper, then that would be the place for you to do that. So spots are filling up and I would love to have you if it feels like the right time and the right medicine for you at this time. And if it's not, that's also okay. All right, I'm sending you so much light and love this week, especially in light of it being Father's Day this weekend. And I hope that you are well wherever you are at in your journey. Bye.